1 Samuel chapter 17, familiar place in Scripture to many of us. It's the story of David and Goliath. We may talk briefly about it, but we're not going to dwell on the story of David and Goliath today. I want us to see something in here. I think the Lord wants us to, and you're going to have to bear with me. Um, I rarely use my phone to teach, read, or such from, but I'm going to, going to today. So if you'll bear with me. First um, Samuel 17, verse 45. Very, most Raise your hand if you know the story of David and Goliath, if that's, that means something to you, some of you. Okay, so let me, let me recap for all of us. David went to see his brothers. His father sent him to see his brothers. His brothers were part of the armies of Israel. The Philistines were the opposing army that were warring against Israel. The Philistines had a giant named Goliath. The Bible tells us he was over nine feet tall, and he was this massive, massive man. It describes his armor. We see it was very significant. And Goliath would come out. David was just delivering some food to his brothers. He was a shepherd. He was the younger brother. He kept sheep out in the field. He wasn't part of the army yet. And David had fellowshiped the Lord, though. He had a relationship with God. He had spent time in the field playing the harp and worshiping the Lord and writing psalms and taking care of sheep, and, and he would deal with the occasional bear that would come along, we know from his story. He would deal with the occasional lion that would come along. We know this from his story. He, he did this. He had a heart for God. He had a relationship with God, but he was not yet of age and not yet in the army of Israel, the physical army of Israel. And so his dad had said, hey, take some, take some food down to your brothers, check on them, see how they're doing in the way. And David got there, and this battle is in array, and the Philistines are on one side, and the armies of Israel are on the other side. And daily we learn that this giant named Goliath of the Philistines, he would come out into the middle of the valley, and he would intimidate the armies of Israel by saying, send me a man to fight. And if if the man you sin beats me, then we'll serve you. But if I beat him, then you all will serve us. You know, the enemy will always try to get you to fight individually. I've always wondered, well, that's so dumb. Why didn't they just go, our war is not with one person. We're greater than all of them. Let's go. But what happened is they, they saw the battle from the enemy's terms. We don't have one man. It was never about one man. But the enemy made it about one man, so they stopped looking at the whole. So anyway, the Lord saw opportunity to prove himself. So David brings food down to his brothers. His three brothers are there. He brings them food. And when he happens to bring them food, it just so happens at the same time that this giant Goliath comes out into the valley and bellows out, send me a man. Well, when he said that, it hit David's heart and his spirit. Hold on a minute. David asked his brothers and those around, hey, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that would dare defy the armies of the living God? I like his attitude, don't you? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that would dare defy the armies of the living? And his brothers are like, ah, oh, you know what, you know, you're all whatever, you know. 
cocky kid. Just, you just came down trying to see some stuff. Get back home. Take care of daddy's sheep. Read it. That's pretty much what took place. But he hears it, and David, long story short, David says, I'll fight him. So the word gets to the king. The king says, here's my armor. You go. That's so funny, isn't it, that the king saying, here, okay, let this boy go. Here's my armor. Good luck. <laughs> David tries. He's like, yeah, this hasn't worked. This doesn't fit. I, I'm going. And so David heads out. He's got a sling. I know you know the story, but you need to see it happen. And this really happened. He's got his sling, and this teenage boy and his sling goes out there. The Bible tells us he stops at a brook, picks up five smooth stones. I've been talking about this a little bit recently. There's been lots of messages or some messages I know along the way about what all those stones meant, why there were five and what each stone meant. I don't know about all that. I can't find all that in the Bible. Maybe there's some correlation somehow, and I just haven't dug deep enough. But I really believe the reason that David took five stones is because David was human. And David's like, you know what? I could miss. I might need more than one. Or he's a big guy. I may need to hit him a few times. That's about all the depth I got out of those five stones. There may be more. I'm just telling you. This is, but sometimes we can overthink the scripture. And so, you know what? You're human. And sometimes when you're fighting battles in the spirit, you'll miss. Just because you missed doesn't mean you failed. And by the way, just because your brother or sister missed doesn't mean they're a failure either. By goodness, get another stone and take it to them. Amen? All right, so let's get back on track. So now you got the story. So now David's got his sling. He's got his five stones, and he's heading out across the valley to this giant. And this giant, he's so big, the Bible says that he has a man that goes in front of him carrying his shield. And David's coming out by himself. And the giant looks at him and laughs and says, you sending a boy out to me? I'm going to feed you to the dogs and the fowls of the air. He starts to, I mean, he's, the giant is actually probably a little, I mean, think about it. He probably feeling like, I'm going to just smash this, the audacity of them to, to mock me by sending a boy out here. I'm going to crush him. Don't you know that's how he had to be thinking? They were human. And he thought he was all that. And David, this is where I want to get to. So now you got the picture. David's come at him. He's heard the ridicule of the giant. He's heard it. He's seen it. He's watching all the armies of Israel up here. And you think he's feeling pressure? I don't know. But he's coming. And the Philistine says all this stuff. And then said David to the Philistine. I'm going to tell you something. It matters how you talk. It matters how you talk about your problems. It matters how you talk about your enemies. It matters how you talk about the challenges you face in your spiritual walk. It matters how you speak to those things that try to come against you and hold you back from the plan of God for your life. It matters what words come out of your mouth. And sometimes we got to learn to speak the word of God rather than speaking, I can't, I don't know how, I wish, I don't know. We better learn to say the word of God says... And so David said to the Philistine, watch his perspective. The Bible says, Jesus declared, out of the abundance of the heart, 
The mouth speaks. David spoke that which was in his heart. You get it right in your heart, your mouth will start saying some things you ought to be saying. David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield. Notice he didn't say, but I come to you with a sling and a stone and I'm really good with it. He said, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. The God of the armies of Israel whom you have defied. I'm coming to you in the name of the Lord. He was saying, your weapons are sword, spear, shield. My weapon is is the name. You're fighting in your human ability and natural elements, but I'm coming to you in spiritual authority and strength. You're fighting with man-made things. I'm not the one fighting. It is the living God that's fighting for me. Buddy, you don't stand a chance. Goliath just didn't know it yet. But notice. Now, it's interesting if you look at this. That was a whole lot of intro. But watch. It's interesting if you look at this. When David said, I come to you in the name of the Lord, we can see this in many, many places throughout Scripture. Matter of fact, that very phrase, the name of the Lord, appears like 108 times in Scripture, that that specific phrase, the name of the Lord. And so... He said, I come to you in the name of the Lord. We see it as early as the book of Genesis when Adam and Eve, of course, they had lost their son Abel because their other brother, their other son, Cain, had slew him. But then they later on, uh, Adam and Eve had a son called Seth. And the Bible says, and then began men to call on the name of the Lord. Some of you have heard that before. And so we see this reference to the name of the Lord. And we see it throughout Scripture. I'm not going to take the time this morning because I'm working off of my phone here and I don't have everything sorted out, just being really transparent with you. But we see it in different places. Some of these places you know. We find the psalmist declare, or not the psalmist, it was uh, Solomon in Proverbs. He said it this way. He said, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth into it and are safe. It's what he declared about the name of the Lord. And the scripture says, we read in Exodus, of course, the commandments given to Moses penned by the hand of the Lord on tablets of stone. He said that you should not take the name of the Lord in vain. You ever heard that before? And so the name of the Lord was a thing of power. It was a thing which the children of Israel feared. The name of the Lord was more than just a catchphrase. When they declared the name of the Lord, when David said, I come to you in the name of the Lord, he was declaring this is a thing of authority that I'm walking in. This is a place of power that I walk in. This is a place I operate in that is not of my own doing. It is a spiritual anointing, a spiritual authority. When I declare to you the name of the Lord, that I'm working in and I'm operating in. And David took a sling, his, took a stone, put in his sling, and we know when we read the rest of the story that stone went and the scripture says that it went and sunk into the head of Goliath and he fell down flat. And David ran up and took his sword, Goliath's sword, and cut his head off. It's in there, read all of chapter 17. What did that? 
It was the name of the Lord. The children of Israel so feared, had such a reverence and an honor for the name of the Lord that the children of Israel would not say Yahweh or Jehovah. We added the letters there. It would be Y-H-V-H. It's where we get Yahweh and Jehovah from in the Old Testament. And so when you see the name of the Lord, it is the name of Jehovah. Is literally what that translates in Hebrew, the name of Jehovah or the name of someplace, the name of Yahweh. And the reason that the Hebrew people would have it with Y-H-V-H is because therefore it was unpronounceable. To spell it as such. They had such a reverence for the name of the Lord, the authority of the name, the power in the name, that therefore they did not wish it or risk it coming off of their lips. Because they held it in such high regard. And because of the commandment, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord in vain. And so they thought, rather than even risk it ever being in vain, we'll just make it where we can't say it. Well, the reality was they didn't yet have the fullness of the revelation of what the name was. And so that's why you always see the name of the Lord. The name of the, and the name of the Lord is all these things. It is a strong tower that we run into and are safe. The name of the Lord is a place of defense. The name of the Lord is a place of protection. The name of the Lord is a weapon against our adversary. The name of the Lord is strong and mighty. The name of the Lord is forever settled. Now, we see in Isaiah 9 and 6, I know many of you can quote it, but he said the the prophet declared under the inspiration of the Lord, he said, for unto us a a child is born and unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name, Isaiah 9, 6, his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. That's the name. That's what his name's going to be called. And so we see all these references to the name. We know that the name will be the Lion of the tribe of Judah. We know in the name is the Root and the Offspring of David. We know in the name he's the Lily in the midst of the valley. We know in the name he's the Bright and the Morning Star. We know in the name he's the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. We know in the name he's all of these things. All of them are wrapped up in the name. And so... The children of Israel, when you see it and you look throughout the Old Testament and you see the declaration of the name of the Lord, when they say that they're coming in the name, they're coming in the authority of it. They have a fear of it. They have a reverence of it. And they recognize the power that's there, the protection that's there, the authority that's there, the covering that's there. They realize all of that is wrapped up, but yet they did not yet have the revelation of the name because he not fully revealed himself. But you fast forward. We see in Psalm 20 and 7, the psalmist said, Some, and it's exactly what David was talking about. Some trust in chariots and some in horses. But we, those are earthly things. Those are natural things. That's how we fight in war in the natural. But he said, we will remember the name of the Lord our God. Psalm 102.15 says this. The heathen will fear the name of the Lord and all the kings of the earth, thy glory. 
We see these promises again and again. Psalm 113 and 2 says, Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. And you can just keep going throughout the scriptures. Psalm 118 and 10 is one of my favorite. David said, All nations come past me about. I felt like I was surrounded on every side. He said, But in the name of the Lord will I destroy them. He understood there was power and authority in the name. We've got to recognize the name of the Lord is more than just an utterance of a word. But there is authority there. There is covering there. There is demonstration there. There is spirit there. It rests in the name. And I could keep going. You could go all the way through Psalms. That's where most of it appears. And there's such power when you read with that understanding. When you read that phrase. The name of the Lord. The name of the Lord. The name of the Lord. And it is a strong tower. And I thank God for that. But I want you to fast forward with me. If you will. Into the New Testament. And we find. In the Gospels. We find an angel appearing. To Mary and to Joseph at different times. Confirming him. He makes this statement. You shall call his name Emmanuel. Yes. You shall call his name Emmanuel. Which being interpreted is God with us. And then declares. And his name shall be Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sins. Now, the name Jesus, we were singing about it this morning. We are worshiping him this morning. The name Jesus literally means Jehovah, Yahweh. Jehovah has become salvation. It doesn't mean Jehovah brought salvation. It doesn't mean Jehovah sent salvation. It literally translates, Jehovah has become salvation. You believe that? It's true whether you believe it or not. Now watch. We see it throughout the Gospels. I'm, I'm not going to take you to all these references. They're in there. You're going to have to trust me. We see Jesus declaring in Matthew. He says to them, you shall not see me henceforth until you shall say, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. And then shortly thereafter, we see it in Mark 11, 9 and 10. People went before him and people followed him. Who are they, who are they going before and who are they following? Jesus the Christ. He's sitting on a colt, riding into Jerusalem, triumphant. It's called the triumphal entry. Here he comes riding on this, and they went before him, and they that followed cried, saying, Watch what they said about Jesus. Hosanna! Blessed is he that what? How's he coming? In the name of the Lord. Next verse. Blessed be the kingdom of our father David that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. We see again and again. Luke 19, 38, we see it recorded. Blessed is the king that comes. 
King with a capital K, the only sovereign wise king. Blessed is the king that cometh in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. John declared the same thing where they were casting palms in the seat and said, The king of Israel that cometh in the name of the Lord. But now watch what happens when we get to the apostles in the book of Acts. Because we begin to see a change. Do you believe in the name? Watch Acts chapter 8 with me. Verse 15. Watch what he says here. Who, when they were come down, this is Peter and John, they came down to Samaria because Philip, they'd heard that people were being healed and devils were being cast out. When they were come down, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. Watch verse 16. For as yet he, who's he? He, the Holy Ghost is what they're talking about. He was fallen upon none of them, only only they were baptized in what? In the name of what? Whoa, hold on. They added something here that I haven't seen before. Only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And all of a sudden there's a revelation that has been withheld throughout all of Old Testament time. But in New Testament time, something has changed. Before they would say, I come to you in the name of the Lord. But now they're saying, I come to you in the name of the Lord Jesus. I have a revelation of who he is. I don't just come to you with a fear and a reverence knowing it's the authority, but I know the fullness of the name, the name of the Lord Jesus. You go to Acts chapter 9 and verse number 28. We find the work of the God through the apostles and the prophets there or the apostles and the disciples there. And watch Acts 9 and 28. And he was with them coming in and going out at Jerusalem. Verse 29. And he spake boldly. How? In the name of the Lord, Jesus. Is this a different name of the Lord than the Old Testament name of the Lord? Oh, no, it's not. It's the same name of the Lord. And I promise you, they understood when they heard the name of the Lord, Jesus. The name of the Lord, Jehovah, Yahweh, Yeshua, Jesus. Jehovah has become salvation. And so this is why you begin to see throughout the book of Acts, the actions of the apostles. They no longer just say the name of the Lord. They say the name of the Lord, Jesus. I'm telling you, the name of the Lord in the Old Testament is the same as the name of the Lord in the New. It just hadn't been revealed to them in the Old Testament yet. There's not some different God in the Godhead that showed up. It's not one God in the Old Testament and another person in God in the New Testament. The name of the Lord is Jesus. And so we see it revealed there. And we let's, let's just keep going a little further, okay? Acts 10 and 48. Peter had been there. He'd come to Cornelius' house. He began to preach unto them Jesus, the Bible says. And when they heard him preaching Jesus, 
The Bible says the Holy Ghost fell on them as it did on them, the Jews at the beginning. They were there in this Gentile Cornelius' house, and the Holy Ghost fell on them. And it says they knew it because they heard them speak with tongues and prophesy. And after they received the Holy Ghost, the Bible says that Peter commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Now, if you look at many translations besides the King James, it says he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Yeah. Acts chapter 19. I just want you to see this. I would have read all 108 verses to you, but you'd have kicked me out of here or you'd have just left. But I'm telling you, it's in the word. It's in the word. It's in the word. Acts chapter 19. You know what? Let's just go to verse 1. How about that? Because I want you to see. Watch this. We miss this sometimes. We read over these verses and we miss the truth of the word of God. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The name of the Lord is the mighty God. The name of the Lord is wonderful. The name of the Lord is counselor. The name of the Lord is the everlasting father. The name of the Lord is the prince of peace. Acts 19 and verse number 1. It came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus. And he found certain disciples. He said to them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said to him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. And he said unto them, Unto what then were you baptized? And they said, To John's baptism. Then said Paul, John truly baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. All right? Verse 5. When they heard this, they were baptized, how? In the name of the Lord, Jesus. I don't know what that does for you. David said, you come to me with a sword and a spear and a shield. But I come to you in the name of the Lord. You know what? All those sin problems, all the stuff you can't get right, all the stuff that's broken and bruised and your failures and your mistakes that you just don't know what to do and you try and you fall flat on your face again. You say, well, how do you know that? Because I'm as human as you all and I've been down that road. How do you deal with it? You can keep trying to deal with it through natural means, natural efforts, natural pursuits, or you can say, hold on a minute. I've tried enough with sword and shield and spear. It could be that David was on to something with the name of the Lord. And there is spiritual authority there. And we don't just say the name of the Lord. We know the name of the Lord, Jesus. When you are baptized in water in the name of Jesus, there is a spiritual work that takes place. And that spiritual work is all the sin and failure and wrong that I've committed by the blood of the Lamb it is removed from my life. I could never do that myself. And so, what verse are we on? Five. So they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Watch. When Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. And all the men were about twelve. He went to the synagogue, and he spake boldly for about three months, disputing and persuading the things concerning the kingdom of God. You got that? I don't want to read the whole chapter. Let's skip down. 
Verse 11. And God wrought special, that word special there, by the way, it literally means not a few, but very many. That's how it literally translates. I could read it this way. It's not changing. As a matter of fact, making it more clear. And God wrought not a few, but very many miracles by the hands of Paul. So that from his body were brought to the sick handkerchiefs or aprons, and the diseases departed from them, and the evil spirits went out of them. Now watch, people are witnessing and they're going, hold on, something is happening here. It seems that there is authority upon this man. It seems there is power operating through his life. And so what happened? Certain of the vagabond Jews, these are unbelieving Jews, but are looking to say, hey, if something's working. Certain of the vagabond Jews, exorcists, they took upon themselves to call over them which had evil spirits. What did they decide to do? They decide to call over them the name of the Lord Jesus. Saying, we adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preaches. And there were seven sons of one Siva, a Jew and chief of the priests, which did so. And the evil spirit answered and said to them, Jesus, I know. And Paul, I know, but who are you? See, it's one thing to declare the name of the Lord. It's a totally different thing to know the Lord and the Lord Jesus has revealed himself to us not so we would just know his name but so we would know him and have relationship with him this is why when we're buried in the water in the name of Jesus Christ we are buried with Christ in baptism it's an entering into a covenant relationship with him it's why Paul called it no longer the circumcision of the flesh Old Testament, but circumcision of the heart. Brother Lewis talked beautifully from Scripture about circumcision in Madawa the other night. It is circumcision of the heart. This is what baptism does. It's entering into a blood covenant with the Lord Jesus Christ. I acknowledge you died, you were pierced, your flesh was taken apart so that blood would flow out. When I go into the waters of baptism, I am buried with Christ. Romans and Colossians both declare this to us. I am buried with Christ in baptism. And so we see this, and so when I'm buried with him and the name is applied to my life, I'm no longer dealing with things in the natural. I've dealt with some stuff spiritually, not through my ability, but through his blood, the name of the Lord Jesus. So, so this spirit leapt on these men and said, we don't know you. Verse 16, the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them and overcame them and prevailed against them. So they fled out of the house naked and wounded. But watch the result, verse 17. And this was known to all the Jews and Greeks also dwelling at Ephesus. And fear fell on them all. But what happened? The name of the Lord, Jesus, was magnified. There is so much. Acts 21. The church is praying for Paul. Tell him, don't go. You're going to get bound up. They're going to find you. The prophetic word of God had come. Didn't tell him not to go, but the people were emotionally connected. And so they were saying, don't go. Oh, no. And then Paul answered the people, 21 and 13. What do you mean to weep and to break my heart? For I'm ready not to be bound only, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. Acts 22 and 16. He said, now why do you tarry? Arise and be baptized. Wash away your sins. Calling on the name of the Lord. 
1 Corinthians 6 and 11, such were some of you, but you are washed, but you are sanctified, but you are justified. We better put that one up there, 1 Corinthians 6 and 11. Such were some of you. Now, if you read the verses before that, he's telling us all what kind of good-for-nothings we were before this. You were thieves. You were liars. You were extortioners. You were adulterers. You were fill in the blank. And such were some of you. But you are washed. You are sanctified. You are justified. How? By your own doing? By your works of flesh? Did you become justified and sanctified by your perfect living? You are washed, you are sanctified, you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. The name of the Lord. I know you know it. It's Jesus. It's beautiful to me that you can read all of these examples. I told you it's 108 times in Scripture. Out of those 108 times, 87 of them, that phrase, name of the Lord, is in the Old Testament. 21 times it's in the New Testament. And when you start looking in the New Testament and you see it, it either has Jesus attached to it, like some of these examples we've read, or it's referencing Jesus when it's being used. The name of the Lord. Jesus is a strong tower. I can run into him. And I'm safe. The name of the Lord, Jesus, is wonderful. The name of the Lord, Jesus, is counselor. The name of the Lord, Jesus, is the mighty God. The name of the Lord, Jesus, is the everlasting Father. The name of the Lord, Jesus, is the Prince of Peace. The name of the Lord, Jesus, is the Lion of the tribe of Judah. The name of the Lord, Jesus, is the Root and the Offspring of David. Would you stand with me this morning, please? This is why Jesus could say, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the resurrection and the life. How could he say, I am? Because he is. Because he is. He is the I am that I am that Moses heard from the burning bush. He's the I am. Does all of this matter? Here's why. Number one, first and foremost, Jesus said, except you believe that I am, you will die in your sins. So you got to know who he is. He's the I am. But here's also why it matters. 
as sure as David came to Goliath and said, I come to you in the name of the Lord. When you and I come against our adversary, come against challenges, and we declare the name of the Lord, we're not just throwing out a word off of our lips, but there is authority when we know him and we are found in him. When you went down, or if you choose to, if you've not yet, you should, you go down in the waters of baptism. It's why the name of Jesus matters. It matters. Don't let somebody tell you it doesn't matter. There's a reason everybody in the Bible was baptized that way, in the name of Jesus. The name matters. The authority is in the name. Everything that you read describing Jehovah, God, the Lord, in the Old Testament... It's pointing to Jesus. This is why Jesus could say, search the scriptures in them. When when Jesus is telling those people, search the scriptures, the only scriptures they had were the Old Testament. He's saying, hey, search the scriptures. In them you think you have eternal life. Those scriptures, they testify about me, Jesus said. Jesus said the law. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, that's the law. He said the law and the prophets, I won't name all the prophets, but they're out there. You've heard of them, right? Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Abacus, Zabonai, all those, the prophets. He said all those prophets, all of the law, all of the Psalms, he said they all testify about me. When you read in there about the name of the Lord, when you read in there about the works of the Lord, when you read in there about the power of the Lord, when you read in there about the coming of the Lord, when you read in there about the promises of the Lord, they all talk about me is what Jesus said. Why does this matter? Because then when I begin to pray as someone in relationship with him, I'm not just praying in some filled hope that maybe something will take place. But as sure as David stood before Goliath and said, I come to you in the name of the Lord. He understood I'm not walking in human ability or authority, but I'm walking in spiritual calling and authority. And so when he declared I'm coming in the name of the Lord, he knew I'm fully backed by the living God. And so when you and I, this is why Paul declared to the church, whatsoever you do, in word or in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord. It's where authority comes from. But you got to be like David. You got to have a relationship with the one that the name belongs to. David was able to declare that he came in the name of the Lord because he had a relationship with the Lord of the name. Seven sons of Sceva that we read about in Acts chapter 19. They had heard of the name and they'd heard of the power of the name, but they had no relationship with the Lord of the name. And so the first thing you've got to do and I've got to do is make sure I've got a relationship with the Lord of the name. Amen? And then when you have a relationship with the Lord of the name, then you walk and live and abide in the authority and the power of the name of Jesus. This is why we can lay hands on the sick and they recover, not our ability, but the authority and the power of the name of Jesus. I'll mess it up, but I'll try to relay it. It was so revelatory and powerful to me. 
precious elder made this statement. He said, when you declare the name, the reason it's so powerful is because all of the blood is in the name. All of the power of the blood is in the name. All of the power of the word is in the name. The word was made flesh. All the power of the word is in the name. All of the power of the spirit is in the name. All of the faith of God is in the name. It's all in the name. That's why I was referencing that song at the beginning. It's all in him. It's all in him. The fullness. All that God is, it's in him. We are people of the name. The name above every name. And I'm telling you, he's here this morning. In a precious way. I felt him begin to manifest himself as we worship together. And he is here. And if you'll reach to him right there where you are, I believe he would begin to minister to your life as he's already doing. Come on, don't wait on anybody else. Come on, would you just talk to him? It will sound different for everybody in this room. Some of you, it will be a presenting of a need to him. For some of you, it will be a conversation that says, Lord, I don't have much a relationship with you, but I want one. I want to know you. I want to know you the way you want me to know you. I don't want to know you in intellectualism. I want to know you in spirit and in truth. I want to know you in true abiding relationship. I want to be found in you. I want you in me. I want a life living in Christ. I want the name of the Lord covering me. I want the name of the Lord filling me. I want the name of the Lord written upon my heart. I want the name of the Lord to be something I live in, abide in, dwell in, and walk in. Come on, everything we need is found in Him. Everything we need is found in Him. It is a spiritual work that every life in the world needs. We may look at all of our circumstances and say, oh, if only this. I'm telling you, every work that our life needs starts in the Spirit. There is a spiritual work that only He can do. And when we get the revelation of who He is, the God of the Old Testament is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. He is God, and beside Him, him there is none else he alone is our savior he alone is our king he alone sits upon the throne he is God and God alone Jesus, we worship you. I pray the ministry of your spirit into the heart today. I pray healing in the name of Jesus. I pray freedom in the mind in the name of Jesus. I pray freedom in the heart in the name of Jesus. Come on, I'm opening this altar to you today. If you'd like to move out of your seat in an expression of faith. Come on, Lord, I'm reaching to you. I don't want to just know the name. I want to know the Lord of the name. I want deep abiding relationship. I want to know you more than I've ever known you. I would that you continue revealing yourself to us, Lord. As we search your word, let us know you more. As we see your word, let us see you more. Let us be attuned and attentive to your voice, O oh God. Lead us in depth of relationship with you. Thank you for the blood and the waters of baptism through your name. Thank you, Lord, for your spirit that you filled us with that's filled in your name. Come on, if the name of Jesus was a 